Welcome to The Circle Sessions featuring The Circle of Experts. The Circle of Experts are Yasmin Robles from Robles Designs, Tanisha English Amamu of TJE Communications, and Don the Idea Guy. I'm Brett Johnson from Circle 270 Media Podcast Consultants. Each week, one of The Circle of Experts joins me to talk about critical aspects of growing your podcast. We focus on marketing, social media monetization, and website design all in the mindset of implementing all of these together. This week, Yasmin is here from the Circle of Experts. Yasmin works alongside clients to design a website that's driven by strategy, looks amazing, and that you can actually use to grow your podcast and then in turn your business as well. Yasmin, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Previous episodes, we talked about, you know, kind of the, the pre-launch of websites and kind of what to keep in mind and stuff, but the, the work's not done when the website's launched. <laughs> there's a lot of other things to the upkeep, just like building a home or having a home. And, you know, there's always that upkeep and and, and making sure that it looks good, the fresh paint, paint, uh, 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 paint color, uh, you know, g- keeping the grass mode, that kind of stuff. So you came up with a, a, a great list of things to do after the website launches. And your first um, item is uh, called changing the permalinks. I wanted to ask you first maybe to give a definition of what a permalink is. I know we've all heard it, but we really kind of don't know what what is it? What does it do? Yeah, in I guess the layman's terms or the the simplest terms, it would be, for example, my domain name is robustdesigns.com. A permalink would be, that's typical for WordPress when you install it. Is something like slash maybe a question mark p equals one two three and it's it's something that is just appended it's like the id for the page or the post and you that is not readable by typical users and it's just not seo friendly it's not it's not friendly for the user i can't tell whether that one two three is a post about um your website or your podcast. I'm not really sure what it's about. So ideally, you would want to change it from that typical permalink structure over to something that's a bit more easy to read. So typically, if you go into your WordPress site, um, it would be under the settings area, and you can just change it to what is typically slash followed by a percentage and then post name and then a closing percentage and another slash. It's basically saying this is where we're going to place the name of the blog post So for example, if you have a blog post called Website Designs, and that is the URL, it would be website-design after your main domain. It looks better when you share that page too, when you change that name, right? On social media? Yeah, it looks better. It's just prettier and it's easier. So for example, I have a freebie and it would be very hard for me to say, go to robustscience.com slash a, B, C, D, one, two, three, X, Y, Z. It's easier to say, go to my website and go to slash checklist or slash website-design. Right. Secondly, you say to install Google Analytics. That can probably be its own episode in itself, which we probably will do down the road. But um, how important is that to install Google Analytics? What does it do for you? It is extremely important, especially if you are putting all this work into your podcast, you're putting it on social media, you're probably going to get speaking engagements and get people to your site. It is extremely important to be able to really understand what's working with the site. How are you getting traffic? Who is sending you traffic when you're um, marketing, when you're advertising? So Google Analytics is important. And and I understand that as a solopreneur, you might not be able to go in there once a week and 
look up what, all the data, but as long as you're collecting that data, you can go in there as much as you can, whether it's once a month, once a quarter and say, hmm, I've been going to a lot of networking events. My traffic has picked up a little bit. I got featured somewhere and it looks like their feature sent me people from their site. So it's a really nice to have. What I will say though, is and I, as of this podcast, I'm not entirely sure where it stands, but the Google and the EU have not been friends. Um, essentially, Google tracks us, and in the United States, we don't. I guess we don't really care. Um, but in the EU, they're pr- very protective of their um, EU citizens. So uh, Google doesn't really discriminate against who it tracks. If you have Google Analytics installed on your site then it will be able to track whomever comes in. And technically, I don't know if it's happened, but technically some FBI or whatever agency could say, I want information from this person. And that person's actually from the EU. And that's where the issues start. So if you are serving a large, uh, you have a large platform in the EU, I would recommend maybe checking into whether or not you can use Google Analytics. There are other paid options out there, other free options as well. But Google Analytics seems to have like the most in-depth information, probably because they're looking into us in depth. (laughs) But it does give you a lot of information for your business. All right. Okay. Well, and that's good. Good to know uh, that you know you, especially if you do have a, a larger European audience or outside the United States. A lot of us don't, but but if it becomes larger because of your content, that's something to really look at. That, that makes a lot of sense. So the analytics obviously is, is tied into that number three, uh, Google Search Console, I, I would assume in some way. So what is the console going to do for, for you as a, as a website owner? Yeah, so the biggest difference is that one tells you traffic. The other one kind of tells you how your site is performing and what keywords you're coming up for. So Google Search Console, it's also free. And after you install it, it'll start tracking the impressions and clicks that you're getting for certain keywords. So let's say I'm Robles Designs, and obviously I'm going to start coming up for the term Robles Designs, which ideally you don't want to come up for your own name because people already know who you are. But I can see that how many impressions or how many times I appeared in search for that keyword and then how many click-throughs I got for that keyword. So if I was trying to rank for meal prep menus, then I would say, okay, that that keyword, I came up this many times and this many people clicked on it. The other cool thing about it is that it'll give you the errors. It'll send you an email every so often and say, hey, there's a couple of errors on your site. Some of them you can probably dismiss and others you might want to take a look at. So for example, Uh, There's one that was coming up for one of my clients and it was telling us that the video on her site needed to either be more up up higher on the site or more prominent or larger, but it was purely a decorative video. There was no sound. It was just a person working on something. It was like a background video. And so it wasn't as important for us. Now, if it sent something that would have said something similar to like the font is too small in this button on mobile, it's hard to click, then that is something that we get to fix and we get to increase the size of the the link or we get to increase the, the space between the lines, the line height, and just so that it's easier to click on mobile. So it'll give you these tips on how these errors um, and how you can fix them. And then you can ask it to rescan your site and it'll tell you if it figures out that you fix it. That's pretty cool. I guess I, I have seen 
uh, emails to me about, I can't find this page. I mean, it's just total <laughs> blank or that, you know, that page is not found or whatever before um, I redid some stuff, but I didn't realize it was actually giving cues to make your page better. That's great. I, I didn't know it was doing that. So I guess it came down to it. Uh, the page is pretty in decent shape. It's just that I have to have pages that show up sometimes. <laughs> so I have that problem. So, okay. Um, uh, you have, yeah, you know, I guess I don't think this next one, I don't think we realize that how important backups are until you lose something or you're revising mm -hmm. something you want to go backwards. So, yeah, let's dive into this, why backups are happening and ensure that they are. <laughs> I've had a couple of clients and then some business owners that I know of that weren't necessarily clients. But when you are not backing up your site, you are running the risk of either of basically just losing everything. So in one case, I built a site, I handed it over, and she didn't update at all for years. And then when she tried to pick up the business again, try to blog again, she could log in. And from the front end, I want to say everything looked the same. But from the back end, she would log in and she could not post anything. And when I went back in to see if I could support, it was it was just we would have to start over. And her backups hadn't been working, so I couldn't even revert back to what we initially had. The other person that I know of, she I kept suggesting for her to update the site. Um, she was not ready to update the site, and then she got hacked. So this happened because there was a hole in one of the, the plugins on WordPress and, that she hadn't updated. And by the po at the point where we had to go in, it was very costly. And it wasn't like you were getting a new site. You're getting your same old site, but it's extremely costly for us to get rid of all that malware. And so I highly suggest getting backups. And a few plugins that you can use um, that should support with WordPress backups are Updraft, Jetpack, and Backup Buddy. You can do manual backups. I suggest doing some kind of manual backup as well. And you can you should have a fallback. So usually your hosting company will do some kind of backup. And then you can have an additional one that saves to like Google Drive or any other cloud um, or on your own computer. And that way, if something were to fail, you have some kind of backup. And I suggest uh, if it is your hosting company, a daily backup, a weekly backup is good. If you are blogging often and posting your, your podcast episodes, I would say a daily backup. You can automate that. And then once a month, go in and do a, a full pull of that month's uh, new content. That should be fine. If you are on a platform like Squarespace, they, they don't really offer backups. I've never seen anyone lose a site on backup uh, on Squarespace, sorry. Um, but you can still back it up a cer in certain ways, such as making sure you're duplicating or copying all of your blog posts and just keeping a document of them, uh, making sure you're not just uploading the images and then putting them in the trash in your computer. You, you can keep those images in, in a backup on Google Drive and take screenshots of your site so that in case something does get lost, you know exactly what it looked like. You're not trying to puzzle it all together. I was just going to ask if that's universal for backups based on the hosting company. Um, would it be easy enough to do just to ask the hosting company in their Q&A, do you back up? Or how do I back up? Is that an easy first place to start to know that things are happening or if you have a switch to turn on? Yes, definitely contact your hosting company. See if it's part of your package. Most of them already offer some sort of backup in their package. Um, and then ask if you have to turn it on because sometimes they offer it, but it's not automatically turned on and you just assume that they would, but, but 
it's not on. And then you can also go in and change the the amount of time. So if it is set up for weekly, you can go in there and change it for daily. And you can also say, all right, I want to keep it for 90 days. I want to keep the backups for X amount of time. And that should be helpful for you. Cool. You have next uh, submitting an XML sitemap file. Could you talk a little bit about that, what, what that is, at least in layman's terms, and why it's important and, and to, to be submitted to, uh, to Google at least? A sitemap is basically, if you want to think of it as a list of all of the pages on your site. Um, some of the pages you might not want people to see, and there's certain fe- things that you can do on the back end so that they don't see them. So for example, if you have membership pages or pages that just are not useful to be crawled, then you don't necessarily want them to be found. But an XML sitemap is something that is already on your site. If you have GoDaddy, or sorry, not GoDaddy, if you have WordPress, you can simply uh, use Yoast SEO and they can generate one for you. If you have something like Squarespace, it's automatically generated and you just have to find the right link. So usually it's your domain name.com slash and then something like XML-sitemap or something like that. And that link, you go back to your Google Search Console and you submit it as a sitemap. And that, it's almost like, if you want to think of it as, in layman's terms, I guess, uh, sending an invitation with your address to your house to Google and saying, hey, we just moved in. We want to say that we're here and come and come and take a look at our house whenever you get the chance. So that's the easiest way I can explain it. But it's I super love easy. that description. That's great. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And it's with today's technology, they're usually pretty easy to create. You don't have to manually create a sitemap anymore. Um, yeah, Yoast SEO is a good one. And then um, Squarespace just automatically creates one for you. It's just about finding that right link. Next, you have suggested that you should create an ongoing maintenance plan. And I know we touched upon this in a previous episode about really mm-hmm. unchecking the plugins automatically update or really kind of going and doing it yourself. But what other things should be on that maintenance plan in addition to that? A few things that should be on your maintenance plan are the plugins updated, themes, the WordPress core, and the PHP every so often when they come out with a major update. Uh, I would do this while when you have a staging site. So you would do the update preferably on a staging site. If it's a small update, you can probably do it on your own site. But if it's, and especially if you're backing things up, you should be fine. But if it is a large update, then you can do it on your staging site. And then when you see that everything is okay, nothing broke, you can push it to production or live site. Um, I would say create a plan, just schedule it in at least, at least do it once a month. Um, at the same time that you're checking your manual backups, you can probably go in and um, and make these updates. I personally, what I offer to clients is twice a week, I go in and I make updates. I used to do it for them once a week and there would be small updates that would come out during the week. So now I go into the websites two times a week. I go in, check it out. If there's no updates, that's great. If there's an update, I, I make that uh, change happen. So that's what I do for clients. At least if you are, so I know that people are busy, but if you're a solopreneur, it's important that your site never goes down. And I would do it about, I would say once a month. That sounds good. And your next point, keeping the content fresh, well, as podcasters, kind of easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah podcasts coming out all the time, whether it's week, once a week, once a month, mm-hmm. whatever, at least the content's fresh. But you do bring up some additional great points about how to keep that content fresh. 
Yeah. So don't just stop at your podcast, um, especially if, if you work with Brett, he gives you all the tools. So you get the transcription um, or you can transcribe it yourself. You can then transform that into a blog post and put it up there on your site. That is what helps keep the site fresh. And then don't just stop there. Link to another post. So for example, I am speaking right now about what to do after a website launches. I could easily on my blog post type in something like, if you are actually looking to refresh your website, go check out this other episode that we talked about. And that will help. It's almost like a web of links throughout from one page to another and from a blog post to another. It's great for Google. It helps the bots that are crawling your site because they won't just see a lone blog post. They're going to say, oh, this blog post actually leads to another one. And then it leads to your services page. So that is something that great that you can do. Uh, with the content that's on your site. And then every so often, don't forget about your static pages. Go through your homepage, go through your services page. If you got a new testimonial, put it up on your homepage. It's still helping keep that content fresh. Yeah. And your next point is really good too, about getting featured and get those links to your website. It, it kind of goes along with what you're talking about before and that in, in uh, suggestion number seven of, of that freshness, but also, you know, being able to utilize other people's freshness that's talking about you to link to your, to your, um, to your website. And we'll dive a little deeper in another episode, but as a, as an overall view of the site, you have your on-site stuff, your on-site SEO and your off-site SEO. So this one is more about getting featured and getting people to link back to your site. You can give them a specific URL to a landing page or just your homepage and make sure that these are reputable people so that any link juice that they are providing to you is great for you and your site and helps you rank higher. So yeah, guest podcasting, um, guest, being a guest on email lists and just getting featured, getting press releases out there. As long as they're sending links to your site, then and you get some of that SEO juice. All right. And, you know, again, as you mentioned next, don't forget about that email list, the signups. That's a great way to drive traffic, but but also different things you can tie to that sign up uh, for the email. I think one of our other circle of experts members can speak a little bit more to this, but definitely don't stop at the site. Make sure that they're signing up for emails feed them some great content and don't just have them sign up and kind of do nothing. Have some kind of automated welcome series, thanking them, sending them your best podcast episodes, your best interviews when they sign up, just so you can keep the momentum going and keep them excited and, and yeah, give them great content. And as you mentioned last, spread the word on social media. Obviously, this is your home base. This is your your house that you've built. You don't want to have them stay on social media. Tell them about your stuff on social media, but get them off of social media, back to your website. As you mentioned, all these different ways of doing it somehow get them there <laughs> and, and pick a page and, and spotlight the page, a blog or podcast, right? We have put so much work into a podcast and onto into your site, and you probably put blood, sweat, and tears into this. Why not spread the word? And this is coming from someone where I create content, and then I forgot forget to talk about it. So I understand that by this point, you're probably really tired. You just don't want to post, and you don't want to even put some makeup on or anything. But take that last step and spread the word on social media. Tell people about your latest episode. If you don't have another episode or new blog post, don't worry about it. Get your best one from a month ago and post that one. People don't know and don't worry about 
putting the same content out on different platforms because it's very likely that they have their favorite platform. And if they are really gung-ho about LinkedIn, they probably are not going to see the same content that you're posting on Instagram. So go ahead and spread the word. And I guess don't be like me and actually take that last step. Well, and it makes you think about how people use content on different social media platforms as well, though, too. So some will want to read it this way. Some may be lighter on Instagram and it's a little bit heavier on LinkedIn, possibly. It makes you think about the end user as well. So that kind of helps change it up. Even if it's just a few words of the post, at least it's changed up and it's not the same thing. I I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. What's the best way to reach you to find out more about this? Maybe if anyone has any questions specifically to this episode about, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? (laughs) How can they reach you? If you have any questions, uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is through Instagram at Robles Design Studio. Uh, you can also feel free to go onto the site, RoblesDesigns.com, and uh, contact me in, with, via the form. And if you are looking to download a freebie, go to RoblesDesigns.com slash checklist. And it's basically a downloadable PDF where you can go through and see what your site needs and where the gaps are and, and how you can really level it up. We'll have all that in the show notes. So don't worry about it if you haven't got a pen and pencil while we're listening to this podcast. And thank you, listener, for following and subscribing to the Circle Sessions from Circle 270 Media Podcast Consultants.